0: The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: This is the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs. In business, you have to play to win, you need an edge. You'll find that edge in
2: the business locker room. Hey, business is like sports, and I want to bring the locker room to the boardroom.
1: Giving you the playbook and the coaching you need to improve your business performance. With compelling interviews, cutting-edge business tactics and ideas, and the X's and O's segment with Miles Austin. I welcome in my good friend, Miles Austin. Welcome to the business locker room.
2: Now... Here is your host, Kelly
0: Riggs.
2: Hey, hello everyone. Welcome aboard in the Business Locker Room. Great to have you. Fantastic show straight ahead. Really looking forward to our guest today. Who will join us? Randy Conley, who is a part of the Ken Blanchard organization. He'll be along in just a few moments and we'll be talking about trust and leadership. I am your host, Kelly Riggs. Great to have you on board. You can find us at bizlockerroom.com. Listen to our past shows find out who our upcoming guests are, listen to some of the clips uh, and interviews, some of the really good ones over the past several months. Been a fantastic month of shows in September, and I'm looking for more of the same in October. Really excited. This is the show with compelling conversations, the kind of useful content that you can use to improve your business today. We look for the practical. We look for real-world ideas. like to bring guests in who can really make a change, make a difference in the way you run your business and the way you perform in the business world. We have uh, got a lot of things coming down the road, by the way. Next week, uh, David Long will join us and we'll talk about his brand new book, Built to Lead. And also, my good friend from the city of Chicago, Bob Turson, Robert Turson, will join us. We'll talk about sales and selling fearlessly. So, that is coming next week. The week after that, Colleen Francis has got a brand new book called Nonstop Sales Boom. And we'll talk with her as well about her brand new book. Thanks to Michael Sergit on the other side of the glass, making us sound far better than we really are. But uh, it's always great to have a skilled engineer on the other side. And many thanks to Michael for that. We, uh, we turn to my good friend, Miles Austin. He'll join us for the X's is No segment, in the later latter part of the show. But uh, Miles, good to have you in. And uh, we, we've got an exciting tool we're going to talk about later in the show.
3: Tell us a little bit about Sales Loft. Absolutely, Kelly. Great to be here as usual. Sales Loft is one of those innovative new generation companies that understand sales first and foremost. This is all they do. They drive sales, lead generation, and the marketing uh, for sales companies all over the world. And the beauty of Sales Loft is you can install it for free. It plugs into your Google Chrome. And I love their claim. They say, bottom line, no questions asked, you're going to double your lead generation In 2014, how do you beat that? And if that doesn't get your attention, nothing will.
2: Wow, free double my lead gen. I kind of like the way that sounds, Miles. (laughs) You know, that's pretty. I'm not the smartest guy ever, but that sounds like a good deal
3: to me. Uh, You know what? The only thing better than that would be if they triple it. So let's let's dig in. These are great guys, as I said. um, They're founded by a a guy that really gets it. He's, He's that new generation of sales leader who understands the technology, they embrace it, and they're bringing it to you. And what's really cool about SalesLoft Prospector is it's integrating with all of the social media tools that are out there. I primarily use it uh, integrated with my LinkedIn experience and my CRM tools. And I'll tell you, it is unbelievable. People's jaws drop when they see it on the screen for the first time.
2: Wow, I can't wait to talk about it. They have a couple of products, Prospector and then Cadence. We'll talk about those two products and how they differ and how you can use them. But I'm looking forward to it. Might as well see you in the X's and O's segment later in the show. Good luck. Good stuff. Well, it is a real pleasure for me to welcome in my guest to talk leadership and developing relationships based on trust. His name is Randy Conley, and he is the Vice President of Client Services, and he is the trust practice leader at the Ken Blanchard Companies, if you've been around very long at all, you recognize the name Ken Blanchard, right up there with, with many of the names that are synonymous with leadership, people like Stephen Covey and John Maxwell, and certainly Ken Blanchard falls right in there. He's written a number of books, and that's where Randy works, and he serves as, again, the trust practice leader, and he's got a couple of uh, roles that he plays, but one of those is he's responsible for strategic decisions about the design and the development of the company's Trustworks curriculum. He has been named a top 100 thought leader in trustworthy business behavior. He authors a blog called Leading with Trust, and I really want to turn you on to that and make sure you're you're listening to that, and, or reading it rather, and also following him on Twitter. Randy, just a, just a great honor to have you on board. Thanks for joining us in the business locker room. Thank you, Kelly. It's my pleasure. Well, you, uh, you stay very, very busy, I would assume, and, and I would like to get a little bit about your background. You've been with Blanchard for quite some time. I mean, you're rapidly approaching a 20-year anniversary with those guys, uh, and yet you've got a very significant background as well. So give me the uh, Reader's Digest version of how you wind up at uh, Ken Blanchard Companies.
4: Yeah, well, you're making me feel old, almost 20 years. (laughs) Let's just be clear with the listeners. I started working here when I was 15, though. Okay. Absolutely right. Yeah. It was, and it was your very first job. That's right. That's right. Actually, uh, the Reader's Digest version is um, about 18 years ago. I had been laid off from my uh, previous job. I was in the job market and ran across the Kim Blanchard companies. Started working here in a, uh, a project management position. And over the years, I worked my way up in uh, leadership ranks through project management. That was my core area of expertise. And over that time, moved into various leadership roles and started working more directly with clients, uh, consulting with them around trust and leadership. And uh, today, I'm the vice president of our client services group, which is the whole delivery side of our business. Once A client agrees to do a training or consulting initiative, that gets turned over to my team and we implement it with clients. And then I also, of course, do a lot of writing at my blog, leadingwithtrust.com, around uh, trust, obviously, Mm -hmm. and leadership and other management topics, and uh, I love every minute of it. I couldn't ask for a better situation than what I'm in right now.
2: Well clearly you you're a part of a a very well respected and well known brand and and it's interesting uh, from my experience Randy is that both character and trust as a part of the workplace seems to me and this is the question i want to ask you it seems to be in, uh, uh, enjoying a bit of a renaissance if you will uh, you know based on a lot of things that have happened in the corporate world but more and more of my clients are, are very interested in any methodology that allows them to, to bring character and the implementation of trust-based relationships into the workplace. Do you think that's an
4: accurate assessment? I mean, are we moving in that direction? Yes, I, I do. I, I would agree with that. And it it's, it's kind of a bittersweet situation. I think that renaissance is happening because of so many corporate and leadership failures that we've seen over the last several decades. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know, anytime you hit a website, a news website, or open the newspaper, turn on the evening news, you're, you're constantly hearing stories of people falling short, organizations behaving unethically, uh, you know, politicians and their struggles. Um, and it's highlighted so much the need for getting back to the basics, to really uh learning once again that trust is the absolute foundation of any successful relationship at work, at home, in the public sector, the private sector. If you have trust and high levels of it, you really set the stage for accomplishing anything. But without it, even the best strategy is pretty much doomed to fail.
2: Well, let me ask you, as, as we move in and talk a little bit more specifically about trust, you take the average manager, and if, if there is such a thing, but someone who is in a managerial role, they're not new, they've not been around forever. They, they're in that big bell curve in the middle of their career. They're struggling a bit uh, w- with team leadership and bringing people together. What are some of the critical mistakes that you see managers commit, Randy, that really create trust issues for them?
4: There, there's a few common trust busters, as I like to call them, and uh, I think some of the most prominent ones include not following through on your commitments, and I don't think people really do that intentionally. I, you know, I, I assume best intentions. I don't think most people make promises intending to not fulfill them. I just think we often don't have a good plan for how we're going to follow through, and we right. only commit ourselves and we end up letting people down. If you have a very solid track record of success where that rarely happens, when you mess up once or twice, no big deal. You've got a lot of money in that trust bank account. Sure. But if you don't have that track record, you know, when you say you're going to do something and then don't follow through, that erodes trust so quickly with with the people that you lead. They need to have some sort of Reliability and predictability about how you're going to behave. So, I I would say that's one key thing that trips up many leaders. A second one, which is similar but slightly different, is not walking the talk. And so, as you know full well, Kelly, leaders are responsible for setting the vision, right? Mm -hmm. They chart the course. This is the direction we're heading. Come on, everybody, get on board with me and let's go. We're really great at saying those things as leaders. But if our day-to-day behaviors are not in alignment with what we're saying, then that erodes trust with people because they begin to see that we say one thing, but yet we do another. And it's, it's that old double standard there, you know, um, what's good for the goose should be good for the gander. So I, I, I think that's a, another key obstacle there. Randy Conley is my
2: guest. He's a VP with Ken Blanchard Companies. You can find him, as he mentioned, his blog, leadingwithtrust.com. Make sure you're following him on Twitter as well, at Randy Conley. You know, the, the thing that gets me about those two trustbusters busters is, is they're so obvious and, and seemingly, I mean, how do people miss this? Uh, you know, that there's something so simple and so straightforward yet is so commonly abused and creates these trust problems. Is it simply because people are so focused on the work that they're doing, they forget about the, the peripheral engagement of the employees is, are they just distracted?
4: Yeah, I, I think that's one factor. You know, people are very busy. It seems like the pace of business just increases, you know, time and time again as, as each year goes by, um, but what I found in working with clients, Kelly, is that so many people just assume trust happens. You know, right. they, no one really thinks about trust until it's been broken, and that's the worst time to sort of, you know, start thinking about trust. Um, and the reality is, is that we can be very intentional about how we build trust. There are uh, behaviors that we can use that very clearly signal that we're trustworthy and that we're extending trust to people and that we're we're trying to build trust. And you just can't leave it up to chance. You know, it's not like some sort of relationship osmosis where trust just magically develops, you know, over the course of time. You have to be very intentional about it.
2: You know, it's interesting how often this plays out uh, in the workplace. And and many times it plays out directly in the, uh, uh, the sports marketplace as well. And, and I'm, I'm finding something online as we're speaking because I'm reminded of the situation with uh, Harbaugh, Coach Harbaugh, San Francisco yeah. 49ers head football coach Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. And I was reading this weekend uh, that it, and, I, and I'm quoting now from an ESPN article Coach Harbaugh began to lose some of his 49er players when he was not honest with former quarterback Alex Smith about San Francisco's pursuit of Peyton Manning in 2012, according to Team sources who express their belief to ESPN NFL insider Adam Schefter. Well, Mm -hmm. that's interesting. You know, sometimes I've seen leaders who, in trying to protect how someone might feel or perceive them as an organization, actually don't give them the complete picture, the the, the whole truth, if you will, and then it leads to something like this. Now, I, I don't know where this ultimately goes, but clearly there's some challenges in the workplace with the 49ers between players and the head coach created seemingly by just simply not being completely honest.
4: Yeah, uh, that's a great, you know, present day example. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that this is, uh, you know, an easy peasy answer. Leadership is tough business. Anyone who's been in the trenches knows that. And, Absolutely. And, you know, it's a constant struggle deciding how much information to share, you know, what's the appropriate level, what's the right time. How involved do you, you know, make your staff? Um, But I I think it starts from that core, um, you know, character trait of wanting to be honest and transparent, appropriately so, to the people that you lead. And, uh, you know, that happens in everyday conversations. It happens when you are very clear on your intent with people. And express that because if, if we're not conscious about being intentional in expressing uh, you know, our leadership philosophies, our plans, our strategies, we're leaving it up to people to figure out the truth on their own.
0: And
2: Absolutely that's, that's right.
4: One, one thing I've learned is in the absence of information, people will make up their own version of the truth.
2: Yeah, and the addendum to that, Randy, is they never assume the best.
4: Exactly, and it always tends to skew to the negative.
2: It absolutely does. Randy Conley, my guest with uh, Ken Blanchard Companies, we're going to take our first time out. And when we come back on the other side, I want to explore one of the real implementations, one of the real interesting pieces and parts of trust, and that is when you're trying to manage your team through times of change. And Randy has uh, written a tremendous book blog post about that six strategies for helping your team manage change when we come back on the other side of this break we'll talk more about that you're listening to the business locker room on voice america i'm kelly riggs we'll be right back
1: when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network
0: Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Joke All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk.
1: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network.
4: Dan Walshman, and you're listening to the Business Locker Room Show with Kelly Riggs.
2: My good buddy, Dan Walshman, uh, introducing us as we come back. Thanks for joining us in the Business Locker Room. Dan was on with us a couple of weeks ago. My very, very first guest in the Biz Locker Room, and, and he's a fantastic guy. I really enjoyed conversations with him. Currently, we're speaking with Randy Conley, VP at Ken Blanchard Companies, and he has uh, written a book called Leading with Trust, and writes the, or writes the Leading with Trust blog, rather, and uh, Wright does a tremendous amount of writing there. And when we were in the break, Randy, we were talking about a particular quote. Uh, we, our conversation about uh, Jim Harbaugh led you to think about Coach Krzyzewski and something he said. Why don't you share that with us?
4: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I love the sports world as, as you do, and um, our discussion reminded me back in November 2011, you know, Coach K set the all-time wins victory. He uh, At the time, it was his 903rd victory. And, in a, and he was talking about the importance of trust in building a team. And it's, it's so contrasting to what Harbaugh is experiencing now with the 49ers. And in an interview on ESPN, um, he said, uh, he, he was asked, you know, what's the most impactful thing that you as a coach have done with your team? And he said, it's being trustworthy. And, and and this is his exact quote. He said, you have to take the time to develop a relationship that's so strong with each individual player and hopefully with the team that they will trust you. He said, they let you in, and he pointed to his heart. And, and he said, and if they let you in, then you can teach. But if they don't let you in, you're never going to get there. And uh, it was just such a powerful testimony to... Uh, the power of trust and how it can coalesce a group of individuals into a team to really achieve more than they could individually.
2: Well, you allude to the fact that relationship and trust are inextricably linked together, mm-hmm. and and what I what I've experienced in the corporate world, Randy, is it seem seemingly leaders are so bogged down in the day to day details, solving problems, uh, reaching decisions, going to meetings. Many times, they're not investing the time in those relationships that could actually uh, create that trust, and and then yet they turn around having come out of the boardroom with enormous amounts of ideas for change and moving the company, they expect everyone to buy into that. And that's really the, the emphasis of your, one of your recent blog posts, six strategies for helping your team manage change. Why is it that as we lead into our conversation about that, why is it that leaders don't understand the value of investing in relationships?
4: Boy, that's a tough one, Kelly. If, if, if I could come up with the magic answer to that, you know, we I'd be a millionaire, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. But, you know, I think one of the challenges is is what you just mentioned. Um, you know, we get, as leaders, we get so busy in our meetings, you know, meeting with fellow department leaders and strategizing on, you know, where we want to take the organization. And we lose sight that it all starts with that individual relationship with folks, that, mm-hmm that if we can establish that, then we can do all these other things we're trying to accomplish. So I I think that's one area. Uh, I think a a second area is, you know, as leaders, we're, we're change agents. I mean, that's part of why we've moved into leadership roles is we want to impact and impart change within our organization for the better. And so we're constantly thinking about things to improve or change or optimize, and we're strategizing with our fellow leaders about that. And by the time it gets to rolling out a change within the organization, we lose sight that we've been thinking about this and processing it for months. You know, we we've rehearsed it, we've gotten ourselves used to the idea of the change, and yet we get surprised when we roll that out to the organization and people have all these questions, you know, and all these concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we often say, well, like, whoa, Hold on, can't you see you know, all the great benefits of this? Well, you know, we've been thinking and planning about it for months, and, and this is the first time that people are hearing it. So I think we have to be very intentional about how we go about implementing change within organizations, and that's, that was sort of the genesis for that blog article that I wrote. Well, as you're sharing that with us, I'm,
2: I'm reliving this moment in the past where <laughs> I, I, I set in a big meeting with uh, in in a um, non-profit organization, a, a group of individuals had gone off and done strategic planning and they came back and gathered the rest of the organization together and began to share their ideas about what they were going to do. And the gentleman that was heading the meeting had begun to roll out some of the strategic initiatives and ideas that they had. And, and there were a lot of questions. Uh, in fact, uh, the questions were pointed uh, in the sense that uh, it, it seemed to be incompatible, perhaps, with some of the things that people believed or thought or whatever. And I remember that he he got so frustrated, and then he got very angry. Oh boy! And, and I remember talking to him afterwards and saying, uh, you know, clearly there was some you had some challenges, and uh, he was very upset with the fact that people would question him.
4: Yeah.
2: Uh, and and I think you've you've really hit on it. With many times we go off into the boardroom or to train uh, retreats of some kind, strat- strategic planning retreats. And we come back with all of these great ideas that we've already been through the wars with. We've, yeah. we've hammered them out and everything. And then we expect everybody to be on the same page with us. And that, that's really dangerous.
4: Right, right. Absolutely so. And, and that was one of the key points I made in that article is that research has shown there are predictable and sequential stages of concerns that people have when faced with a change initiative. You know in that very first stage is people have information concerns. you know they want to know what the change is, why is it need, why is it needed you know what 's wrong with today 's situation and so you 've got to provide them that information and the second stage is personal concerns it 's like okay, you know you 've told me what the change is, I understand why it 's needed now, but how's it impacting me? you know am I going to have to do something different you know, is this going to be a win for me, or is, or am I going to lose? You know, what's in it for me? And then after you process those stages, those concerns, you move into a stage of implementation concerns. Mm-hmm. So it's now okay. What what do I need to do first? What do I need to do second? You know, are are we going to have training to help us get to this new reality? You know, are, are we changing processes or procedures? You know, what's the timeline involved? Um, and those three stages are really the most critical ones to address when we're looking at a change initiative. And um, i found, through my experience, is that if you're intentional about that and you're up front, you know, you describe the change process to people and how you're going to work through it, it helps to alleviate some of that resistance, you know, that naturally occurs during a change.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right. it one of the things I've experienced, and it seemingly—it seems like there's two polar opposites in this whole realm of creating change. The one polar side is that. I've decided what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, the way it's going to look, and I'm just telling everybody, this is the way it is. Get on board whether you right. like it or not. Then I've got the entire other end of the spectrum where people who have come out of that and suffered through that say, you know what? We need to engage everybody. Right. We, we, we need to have consensus leadership. We need to get everyone's opinions. And I'm sure your experience is like mine. That That's very ineffective as right. well. Right. So you're, yeah, it's really difficult to migrate towards this meaningful center where we are building these this trust along the way.
4: Yeah. Yeah. Uh- I completely agree with you. I think you do have to find a happy medium. I mean, it is leadership's responsibility to help set the vision collaboratively, of course, with others in the organization, but set Mm -hmm. the vision, you know, carve out that roadmap of where we're going, and then work collaboratively with others to formulate the plans and the strategies of how we're going to get there. So uh, I don't think it's an either or. I think it's a both and. Situation. right
2: right and you have to you have to find a way to manage both well clearly it all comes down to communication you know and, and lots of it but there's a piece in your blog where you talk about the the six strategies for helping your team manage change and one of your strategies number five is that
4: uh, we should create emotional moments help me understand that part yeah, well, once again, that was inspired by Coach Krzyzewski. Obviously, uh, I'm a big fan of his. And sure. I, I had read an article in the Wall Street Journal. You know, this past summer, he coached the USA basketball team and in, during the, the World Cup competition. And his challenge, uh, you know, imagine this. You've got millionaire athletes that don't have to participate on a voluntary basis to represent their country. And so his challenge as a leader is, how do you get these millionaire athletes, individual contributors, to commit to a common purpose and goal and gel together as a team? And uh, I highly recommend the article. You know, do a Google search for Wall Street Journal, Coach K, Team USA Basketball, and you'll find it. Um, But he really put them through a series of experiences Uh, you know, meeting with troops, with soldiers, uh, you know, visiting some national memorials to really get that emotional component, you know, really connect with them in the heart of why they were doing what they're doing. And I think it's a great lesson for us as organizational leaders is what are those emotional milestones we can build into our, our everyday lives as well as, you know, with a change initiative to really get people to connect emotionally with why we're doing this. You know, why is this important? Um, because uh, too many people, I believe, go to work and they're there mentally and physically, but they're not there emotionally. You know, right. they're not engaged. They're not captivated by what they're doing. They're not passionate about their work. They're, they're just there punching the clock. So I, I think we really got to help our people connect on an emotional level to really feel you know, the, the purpose and the power of what they're doing.
2: Yes, absolutely. It reminds me, as you're saying that, uh, the famous quote by Maya Angelou, who said that uh, they'll forget what you said, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Our guest is Randy Conley. He is a vice president at... Ken Blanchard Companies and he writes a blog that you need to be reading leadingwithtrust.com follow him on Twitter by the way at Randy Conley I need to take another time out and when we come back on the other side we'll finish up our conversation with Randy we'll talk about his most recent blog post four steps to living your leadership legacy stay with me I'm Kelly Riggs you're listening to the Business Locker Room on Voice America
1: business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
0: kelly riggs is an author a highly acclaimed speaker and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country now in his eighth year as founder and president of vmax performance group Kelly has written two books, One-on-One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, A Step-by-Step Guide to a Hall of Fame Career in Sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit vmaxpg.com. That's vmaxpg.com. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune into The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
2: Hi, i'm john spence one of the top 100 business thought leaders in the world and you're listening to the business locker room with kelly riggs and great to have you back in the business locker room i'm kelly riggs hey make sure you go check us out as well clearly i have the guests on because i want you to know more about them but you can find all of our old guests our upcoming guests uh, clips from shows uh, you can listen to the podcast right there on our website, bizlockerroom.com. Send me an email, kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, at bizlockerroom.com. And I want to encourage you to follow me on Twitter as well, at Kelly Riggs. Randy Connolly's my guest. Great honor to have him on board. Vice President at Ken Blanchard Companies, and uh, he, he writes a fantastic blog. Love love reading the pieces and parts out of that. And I want to talk, Randy, about uh, the, the most recent one, Four Steps to Living Your Leadership Legacy. Now, explain that. Why, why is that important? Where, where does that whole thing come from?
4: Well, you, Kelly, we're all familiar with leaving a legacy, right? I mean, yes. you know, people who pass on, they leave a legacy. And I like the phrase living your legacy because it reminds me to keep it focused in the present. You know, what am I doing today to live out the legacy that I want to leave for others that I impact through my leadership? And so um, just last week, I attended a memorial service for the father of one of uh, my team members. Um, her name is Amanda. She's, we've worked together for years and years and years. I love her dearly, and her father recently passed away. And um, just attending that service really brought that back home to me about the importance, uh, because her father seemed to do that really well. You know, he was intentional about the legacy he was wanting to leave, and so therefore he lived that legacy. And so that's that was what inspired me to write that post.
2: Yeah, it's a great post. We'll talk more about it. I, I sit here and think about words that you use, and I've heard the word intentional several times. And yeah. it's amazing to me how every time I listen to someone who is successful, whether it's in sports or in business or any aspect of their lives, how that word and the word focused seems to come up very uh, consistently and, and and what you're saying is is that it doesn't happen by accident right. you don't leave a great legacy by accident right
4: right absolutely so you know when you have probably heard that quote it's something to the effect of you know life is what happens to us when we're planning to do something else <laughs> yes <laughs> you know and, and I can relate to that in so many instances throughout my lifetime you know where I haven't been focused or intentional and uh Thank the Lord things have worked out well for me, but uh, I've also learned the benefit of the other end of that spectrum, and that is be intentional about what you want to do in life or create or whatever legacy you want to leave. Um, Focus and intentionality. You're, You're right. I agree with you on that.
2: Well, certainly, what we've talked about in terms of relationships and trust, it doesn't happen by accident. Mm-hmm. And, and in, the, in this particular blog post, you, you talk about a couple of things. One is knowing your core values, and I, and I think that uh, that makes sense to people. But then you migrate to the next point, which is recording your personal mission statement. And, yeah. and I, and, and I love what you said in it. You'd heard it before, and it sounded like the touchy-feely, you know, holding hands around a campfire kind right. of thing until you did it. Right. Uh, relate your experience.
4: Yeah, it was in a training class actually here at Blanchard years and years and years ago um, in some of the first few years that I was with the organization and I was like, oh really, you want us to craft a personal mission statement, you know, it sounds like, you know what, are we going to sing Kumbaya after we're done? Um, I had felt in my gut for a long time what I knew my my purpose was, my mission, Uh But going through the exercise of actually writing it and forcing myself to to really think about it and crystallize it really brought it home for me. And it it brought all those jumbled, messy thoughts that I had had about that topic and crystallized them into a statement that that made a lot of sense for me. And uh, in the blog article, I, I give sort of a little template of how people can go about crafting a personal mission statement uh, but whether you use that template or you find some other exercise, you, you know, on the web, I encourage people to do it. You know, invest a little bit of time thinking about, you know, your personal mission and purpose because it goes back to what we talked about earlier, you know, when we said one of the biggest trust busters is when leaders don't have a plan for following through on, on either what they say or, or what they promise right? Mm -hmm. And I think having a clear mission statement, it it keeps you aligned to who you are, what you're about, what you want to accomplish. And it really serves as a good decision point for the commitments that you make.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. Now, the third part of of your post, which builds on the first two, is you suggest that people should share their leadership point of view with the people that they lead.
4: What's the value in that? Wow, there's tremendous value, Kelly. Um, a leadership point of view, in the context that I use it, is really about the leader sharing his or her leadership philosophy with their followers. And that includes such things as your, your core values, your personal mission statement, but also your beliefs about leadership. You know, why is it you want to be a leader? You know, share that with folks. Uh, And the expectations that you have for yourself as a leader and also the expectations you have for those on your team, Mm -hmm. it really explains the why of your leadership, why you do what you do as a leader. And I've shared that with my team on a number of occasions. I've seen other leaders share it with their teams, and it does a couple of remarkable things. One is it expresses a level of authenticity that people rarely see with their leaders. I mean, I've had people come up to me. I've I've seen people go up to other leaders who have shared their leadership point of view, and and they say things like, "I had no idea, you know, you went through that experience as a, as a young professional, or or you had such a rough childhood, or you know, very." personal, intimate things that the leader shared as part of their leadership point of view. Mm-hmm. And, and it creates that level of connection and commitment and trust between people, uh, because trust is, you only need trust if there's risk, right? If, right. If there's no risk in a relationship, there's no need for trust. And and when a leader shares these intimate things about him or herself, they're putting themselves at risk. and. People respond wonderfully well. The second thing that it accomplishes is it, it demonstrates your authenticity as a leader. You know, you're setting the expectations. You're saying, this is who I am as a leader. This is how I want to behave. And I'm asking you to hold me accountable to that. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so I'm being authentic with you. I'm being transparent with you. I give you permission That if you don't ever see me living out this purpose, this point of view that I'm expressing, you can come talk to me about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I would point out, Randy, having recently taken a group through this, having learned it from the Blanchard group, uh, one of the things I can tell you is that when people begin to share why they believe what they believe and where their ideas about leadership come from, there's also a sense of vulnerability that's associated with that, Absolutely. that uh, you're, you're, you're beginning to share with people at a level of depth that I think, I think, frankly, many managers
4: are probably not comfortable with. Yeah. You know, Kelly, it's the F word in the organization, and, and that F word is feelings. Yeah. You know, it, it's like so many were afraid of using the F word in the workplace <laughs> And and it's it's amazing what happens when you share your feelings and you talk about your feelings.
2: Yeah, you made me nervous there for a minute. I thought I was going to have to remind you about this yeah, is a no, rated no, G
4: show. I, I, I don't I
2: don't want the FCC
4: on, on your back, so we're we're, we're good.
2: My guest is Randy Conley, uh, just a, a fantastic guy, and, and uh, works for a great organization. Ken Blanchard Companies have been around for a very, very long time, and there's plenty of material on the internet about them. Plenty of YouTube videos that you can watch. What, what does the future hold for you, Randy Conley? What's what's coming down the road? Well, some exciting
4: things. We're uh, we're looking to revise our TrustWorks curriculum. It's a comprehensive curriculum we have to help leaders and individuals build trust in the workplace. So working on that project, um, one of my personal goals is sometime in the near future here is to write a book, uh, Leading with Trust, based on a lot of the great things I've written about on my blog. So that's a future goal for me. Um, and beyond those things, Kelly, really trying to live each day with purpose and intentionality and and I just feel so blessed and fortunate that I, I work in an industry where we're really helping make people's lives better. You know, we, yeah. spend, we spend so much of our time at work, uh, and if, if I can help people improve their lives at work by building better relationships, well, uh, there's not too many better things I can be doing.
2: Fantastic stuff, Randy. Really appreciate your time today, taking uh, 45 minutes of your day and spending it with us. Quite an honor. Great to have you with us. Again, let me remind you folks, Randy Conley, Leading with Trust is the name of the blog, leadingwithtrust.com. Follow him on Twitter at Conley, Of course, find much more about him at KenBlanchard.com as well. Thanks for joining us, Randy. Great to have you.
4: It's been my pleasure. Thank you, Kelly.
2: Super deal. Always great guests here in the locker room. We do a good job, if I may say so, of getting some world-class talent on board and letting them share their viewpoints and their ideas with you so that you can become better at what you do. And that's the whole idea. It's the show with compelling conversations and useful content that you can use to improve your business today. And I think you got that today from Randy Conley. We're going to take our final time out. We're going to come back on the other side. And my buddy, Miles Austin, will join us from the Northwest, uh, from Seattle, uh washington maybe we'll talk about his seahawks i think they're playing tonight but we're going to introduce the x's and o's segment brought to you as always by 4d sales our partner that makes that host or make that makes that segment rather possible and we're going to talk about a brand new product uh, brand new tool that miles has uncovered called sales loft stay with us we'll be back on the other side this is kelly riggs and you're listening to the business locker room on voice america
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: Kelly Riggs is an author, a highly acclaimed speaker, and a business performance coach for companies and executives across the country. Now in his eighth year as founder and president of VMAX Performance Group, Kelly has written two books One on One Management, What Every Great Manager Knows That You Don't, and Quit Whining and Start Selling, a step by step guide to a Hall of Fame career in sales. Both are available on Amazon.com. Is it time to put Kelly to work for you? For more information on training or consulting in sales, leadership development, or strategic planning, visit VMAXPG.com. That's VMAXPG.com. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network.
2: Hi, this is Jeff Shore, author of Be Bold and Win the Sale. More great business ideas straight ahead in The Business Locker Room. Hey, and thanks for joining us. So once again, The Business Locker Room, I'm Kelly Riggs. Hey, if you're a sales rep, a manager, a business owner, executive entrepreneur, it really doesn't matter. You just have an interest in marketing or business strategy, social media. This is a place for you. Hey, I, I hope you'll tell people about the Business Locker Room. It is available as a podcast uh, on Voice America at iTunes, at Stitcher. A lot of different places you can find it. I'd like to encourage you to go on iTunes. If you like the show, if you don't like the show, give us a comment, rate the show, tell us what you think. Always good to hear from you guys. But uh, I tell you what, it's, it's been exciting to be on board and be doing this. This is now our 26th Show and it seems like just yesterday, Miles Austin, we got started. Miles Austin joining me for the X's and O's segment.
3: It doesn't seem like very long ago, we were just doing the first one. It does, it seems like forever, and it seems like yesterday. I just <laughs> realized, Kelly, after 26, I think I need to raise. You, oh, Hey, well, here's the thing. You missed a couple of shows. So when you get to 26, we'll talk about it.
2: Oh, darn uh, it. <laughs> hey, let me introduce you to the partner and our sponsor for this segment the X's and O's segment, where we go with Miles Austin. We get the chalkboard out. We start drawing up some plays. It's going to make your business better. Our sponsor is 4D Sales. And I more likely call them our partner because Miles and I both use the tool that's available at 4dsales.com. It is a tablet based sales tool for your iPad, Windows 8 device that will make you a better salesperson. I mean that wholeheartedly because it's going to improve the way you present information to your prospects and clients. It's interactive, visually appealing, very compelling, and it's it's available anywhere. You have all of this in front of you, whether it's a, a price list, a brochure, a PDF, a slide deck, even web pages, videos, all interleaved in a very smooth way of presenting. You can click on one, bring it up, one click and you're emailing it to your client. And from a company standpoint, if you're a sales manager or business owner, you can create consistency with all of your salespeople. Anybody that represents your product, they can have all the current material exactly the way you want it displayed there available at their fingertips. I've been in this business for a very long time, three and a half decades of selling, and I can tell you it is easy to use. And I wish we would have had it a long time ago, Miles, when we were using what we called site sellers. It's a fancy name for notebooks with little plastic inserts.
3: <laughs> I remember <laughs> In, the um, days, Yeah, well,
2: unfortunately, we're both that old. Hey, great new sales tool, Sales Loft. And you gave us a bit of uh, an introduction. But this is a product that searches through social profiles to find the exact prospects that people are looking for. Man, I like the way that sounds.
3: Well, I do as well, Kill. I mean, look, salespeople, right, we all want more leads. We want to research. We want to explore our territory and discover the full potential of what we've got to work with, especially as we approach the first of the year for companies that are on that annual cycle. It's like, okay, I'm getting ready. I want to kill it this year. Um, sales Loft is a tool that is going to definitely make that easier. It's. It, I always tell people, look, it's probably the easiest way t- to use the Internet to build accurate lists of prospects, to gather you know, not just how many of them out there, but who they are, and then to begin to convert them to qualified appointments and, and leads over a period of time. So how does it work exactly? Do I go in and put in some parameters, some filters, and then it begins to go out there and look for me? Is that, is that the idea? That is a part of it. The first part of it you need to do is go in. The easiest thing is go in And download that. There's a free browser tool for Chrome. We've talked about that in past shows. Go grab it, download it, put it right up there. And then you build, literally, you build your prospect search once that's installed. So you're going to go in, you're going to click, you know, what your ideal candidates are. And it's really a, a great example. In fact, I'd love to explore this on some future show about this whole concept of buyer persona or the ideal client for you. Or prospect for you because you literally can go in and build it you can tell them everything from title to size of company to industry to geography um, you name it a title all of those things and it will go out and use that data and then search through the social networks that you participate in and bring this information back to you
2: okay I'm a little bit irritated you know, back in my day, we had to pull out lead cards that we bought from somewhere, or we got out the good old-fashioned yellow pages.
3: Yeah, you know what I'll tell you—that even that gives me hives just hearing that. So <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right, and that that term called gatekeeper. Remember, you might spend oh, yeah. weeks or months playing the games. On the phone and walking in cold and everything else to to really, honestly, to trick that gatekeeper to getting you the name, the direct phone number, or an email address of all things to that client. Those days, obviously, are long gone if you have any kind of engagement online um and it really is is powerful let me use an example the, the, i use linkedin a lot you and i have had that conversation i think we've talked about it on the show i think it's an integral part of anyone that's in business let alone sales so i go in and i'm doing some work or responding to some emails and things in linkedin but once i have downloaded that tool and and have it on my google chrome browser when i'm looking at your profile let's say kelly up in the right hand corner a little box picks up uh, pops up and it says you want to add this person to Prospector, which is the tool within Sales Loft that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. It's like, hmm, okay. So I click that because I'm looking at Jemri. Uh, yeah, you know what? This is a quote, new leader, a new prospect. I click it, it stores it in my Prospector account. I do that over a period of days, over a week or so, and I've added net new opportunities that I've uncovered just doing my day to day work. What's nice is, is they do an excellent job of being able to export out those leads at any time in a, you know, either a spreadsheet format or directly into your CRM tool of choice. But the ability, as an example, to use LinkedIn, build your criteria within SalesLoft, and to pull out from LinkedIn groups, from your own connections, and the ability to get those email addresses and phone numbers all automatically within a very easy, straightforward tool – is really a very exciting thing when you see it done for the first time.
4: Yeah,
2: no question. Well, let's let, let's explore something you and I have talked about. I get this a lot. I'm sure that you do as well. People tell me, Kelly, listening to the show, you and Miles have got a lot of great tools. And I say no that you need to change. Miles has a lot of great tools. I'm learning right along with you. But we're we're oftentimes confused because a lot of these tools seem to be similar or do the same things, or maybe come at it from a little bit different perspective. So I think back to one of the tools, Miles, that we talked about, who works at? And it it, it looks in the LinkedIn profiles and gives you things that you need. How do you compare and contrast that tool, for example, with SalesLoft, and do they have different applications, or is it just different variations on a theme?
3: Great question. Uh, Probably one of the most common questions I get, and very frankly, one of the reasons why people then hesitate because they're not sure, and they do nothing. And that's the worst thing that they can do. So, yes, great question. Who works at is just that. It tells you where these people work. What SalesLoft does that I think is substantially different, it integrates into your day-to-day online browsing activity, and it can pull that information then that you've designated as of interest or value to you and store it in its own um, list and its own uh, database, if you will, of prospects and of people of interest. It's, it's an, a great example, I think, where you have to know what it is you're trying to accomplish. I mean, there are literally thousands of tools out there, and it's, it's a lot of work, and it can become very confusing. What I always encourage people to do is say, look, explain to me what it is you want to accomplish. Be as specific and mm-hmm. as detailed as possible. Once I understand that, if all I want to know is where these people work or where some potential opportunities are, then who works at as a great tool? And, and by the way, I use both. But if I really want to go out and build a list and create my targets and my prospects and evaluate the size and the opportunities within my territory, whether it's geography or named accounts or whatever, then I'm going to use SalesLoft, Prospector specifically, as a way to kind of gather all that together in one place. Mainly because I do a lot of work in LinkedIn. So if I don't use LinkedIn, then there's other tools that can do some of these functions as well. But the team at Sales Loft, most importantly, understands sales. They understand the needs of salespeople. They've been salespeople themselves. And they know if I can just do this and do it easy, quick, efficiently and accurately, I'm going to provide a great service to other salespeople.
2: Yeah, absolutely right. Now, there's a couple of different products here in, the, in a couple of minutes that we have left. One is called Prospector, and the other one is called Cadence. And and unlike some of the tools we've talked about, uh, Prospector in particular is a little more pricey in terms of what you get. Now, not not... Not just what you invest, what you get in return is well worth it, in my opinion, uh, the amount of leads, especially the promises that they make in terms of doubling the number of leads that you get. But what's the difference between the two? What's the difference between Cadence and Prospector?
3: Well, you know, I think probably, think about it this way, the names of those two are, are really spot on. Prospector is designed to help you prospect, to gather a list or, and and a a, a group of prospects that you want to deal with. Cadence is pretty new. It's within the last month or two. I've started using it not even a month ago, uh, thanks to the team at Salesloft. And what Cadence is, it's it again is what the word is, what that product name is. It helps you build a communication flow. You can build as much automation as you want in, but then you can also pace it and customize it as you go, based on reflecting what's actually happening within your activity. So you can send real emails. They're not all canned. You can give a kind of a prepped email, but you can modify it as you go. Um, It automatically removes the replies and things that come in. So you've got the ability to envision a communication flow on a regular, comfortable pace or cadence. And I would say if you take cadence – and interact that and and integrate it into your prospecting activity using sales law prospector mm-hmm. then you've got a really great one two punch that can be very effective what i find really exciting for this this is one of those tools and and a series of tools that can be extremely effective for the big kids the hps and you know ibms and and uh, of the world right. but this can be just as powerful maybe more so For a one person or a five company or a 50 person sales team, it works whether it's one or a thousand, it can be just as effective. And I think that's really important because some of these tools are either designed for a small entrepreneurial operation or the big kids. Yeah, He's Miles Austin, and they call him the web tools guy for a reason
2: because he finds all the great tools, brings them to us, and we bring them to you in the X's and O's segment thanks to our partner, 4D Sales. And make sure you check them out. Never want to lose sight of the fact that one of the very best tools available out there for communicating professionalism to your prospects is the tool from 4DSales.com. Hey, great to have you, Miles. Thanks for joining us this week. You bet you enjoyed it. And thanks to Randy Conley as well for being a part of the show. You can find Miles at fillthefunnel.com. Follow him on Twitter, at Miles Austin. And once again, our good friend uh, Randy Conley, who joined us. You can find his blog at leadingwithtrust.com. That's going to do it for us. Going to wrap it up. Thanks to Michael Sergit for engineering the show and to Brandy Jackson, our executive producer, making us sound great. We're going to do it all again next week. Join me as we'll talk both leadership and sales in the business locker room. I'm Kelly Riggs. We'll see you next time.